This is the Oklahoma Talking Company. Mies takes the mile. Roxon keeps rolling. And so you say you want to go racing. All this and more on this week's Power Sports Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Power Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Baffrey, joined in studio by Eric Colvin of Colvin Motorcycle Company, and we are coming off of a huge weekend in racing at our home base of Oklahoma City, but all around the world there was some great racing. And, Eric, I know you've stayed busy all weekend long. Yes, I have. Not not actually racing, though, working on motorcycles. Working on motorcycles, absolutely. We've had a huge amount of influx of racing equipment at my shop and a lot of late hours to make it happen. Yeah. So this weekend was the OKC Mile, the return of AMA Pro Flat Track Racing to Oklahoma City, and they had it at Remington Park, the horse racing facility, and it was, as the name suggests, a mile-long race. And uh, I had a chance to go out there and enjoy it. It was my first uh, live flat track racing event, and it was pretty awesome. And uh, I think it was a huge success. There was a ton of people out there, and the crowd seemed to really enjoy the racing. And the racers seemed to enjoy the track for the most part. And overall, I think it was a great event. It's got to be great. Um, Flat track racing hasn't been in the state of Oklahoma in quite some time, and it's really good to see it back here in Oklahoma City again, uh, especially after the demise of the Oklahoma City Half Mile. Yeah, and so to see them out on the horse racing track, and uh, I mean, Remington Park is a beautiful facility. They have the reserved seats inside. I did not have a reserved seat, and uh, so I was outside, but got to go out and kind of travel through the pits and sit outside and take in the the sights and the sounds and everything and uh, it was just a a cool overall event and again the place was packed so i i think that they will get the response and hopefully we'll see this event come back but let's talk a little bit about the racing one of the interesting things that i heard eric as the uh riders were giving interviews on the with the pa announcer i heard several of them refer to that particular track as a mile long that rode like a half mile and they were sliding hard through the turns i mean there was a lot of roost going through the turns and uh it seemed like pretty loose dirt for the most part and some ruts forming uh in the straightaways even so uh it made it for a pretty interesting race and i don't know if you saw the uh, any of the coverage from fanschoice.tv but man they were they were working hard to get around that mile track they were the bikes were working really hard uh really challenging kind of technical for setup it looked like the racetrack in and of itself was becoming more like a cushion track possibly even a pea gravel type of racetrack um but with sand, obviously, instead of pea gravel. Yeah, and it's interesting because Oklahoma, I mean, we're known for our red dirt, but obviously they set that facility up to be a a horse racing track, so uh, a little bit different than just the standard red dirt that you find on a lot of uh, dirt tracks around Oklahoma. Clay usually is the best setup for flat track motorcycles. Uh, You roll the clay in really hard and pack it. The clay holds a lot of moisture, will take a lot of horsepower, a lot of traction, as the night rolls on, it will groove. In other words, there will be a lot of rubber that comes from the tires into the racing surface itself. And that's where you get the term blue groove. That's where all the riders want to be. 
at that point. Remington Park seems to be more of a soft, fluffy kind of surface, obviously, for horse racing. Mm -hmm. So it might be a little challenging uh, to set it up for the motorcycles. But again, I think that they will get a handle on that. And this was just the first time out. And I don't think that they had any struggles that was any worse than any other mile horse track that motorcycle races have been at anywhere in the United States. Yeah, as I mentioned, I heard a lot of the guys referred to it as a as a more, it rode more like a half mile. And I even heard Brian Smith say that it was kind of back to old school dirt track racing. So the way that they were having to ride and they were really working through the turns. I saw a photo of Shana Texter, uh, who I think qualified for her first main event of the season so far, if I'm not mistaken. But I saw a photo of, of her and she was completely off the bike, sliding it through the turns. They were working hard to get around the Remington Park track. The results, man, it was some great racing, I got to tell you. And the uh, really the better race was in the GNC2 category. And in the main event, it was Tristan Avery taking the win on his Kawasaki over Charles Drenser. And I'm not so sure if I'm saying his name correctly, but uh, he was on the Harley, but man, they were right down to the wire on the final lap. And Tristan Avery... Uh, the youngster came out with the win, and uh, just a great race there. In the GNC1 category, Kenny Coolbeth had had the low qualifying time of the day, but in the main event, uh, he had some problems early on, and it was Jared Mees who really just dominated the race. I mean, he got out to lead and pulled away. Now, Brian Smith on the Kawasaki was coming off of three mile wins in a row, and everybody expected that he would show up to Oklahoma City and just be dominant like he has been at the other miles. But, man, the the Harley guys, Jared Mees and his team, the Las Vegas Harley-Davidson Rogers Racing Team, they found something, or the track was just right for Jared's riding style. I don't know which. I would think the momentum that Brian Smith had uh, coming off of the other races probably uh, helped them with setup on the motorcycle. Uh, I was told from some friends of mine that were there, racers themselves, that they were paying a lot of attention to shutoff areas, riding style. Like you said, it was running more like a half mile, more of the old style back the motorcycle in. They were trying to get a handle on more road racing the bike. In other words, not as much of a broadside. Uh, they were working on gearing, engine braking. Uh, I believe that Jared Meese uh, with the XR, uh, it was actually seemed more like an XR track. Uh, the XRs are very smooth. They make a lot of smooth torque. They make have a very wide torque band. I think that they concentrated on that. And it was my understanding that they looked for the setup on that motorcycle late in the race very long race yeah and they were looking for the racetrack to come to them at the end but uh with the restart though i'm not so sure that it that it may have gone the other way without the restart though yeah and uh it it did get interesting because jared meese had almost a half a straightaway lead over brian smith and then Sammy Halbert lost his bike in the turn and was trying to pick it up but couldn't get to it. Fortunately, he was not injured and the, and the bike was okay, but he just couldn't get to it to pick it up. So they put out the red flag and they went for a restart. So everybody started fresh uh, on a staggered restart, but Smith was right on Jared Mees' back, back fender. 
And on that first lap, Brian Smith got out to the lead with five laps to go. And it was really a shootout, but uh, they fought together, you know, handlebar to handlebar for a good lap or two. And then Mies pulled away again and was able to get his first mile win of, of the season. And it was, uh, it was a really great race. As a rule, on mile events, almost every turn into turn one, there's a lead change. Going into turn three, there's a lead change. There's a lot of drafting that goes on. Mm-hmm. I was... I was absolutely amazed that there was a breakaway. As a rule in mile racing, it's usually close. Yeah. Really close. The top could be the top half of the field that you can literally throw the blanket over. There's a term they call the mechanical freight train, and that's where there's a long line of riders drafting down the front and back straightaway. And they will pull out of the draft and get sucked by. A lot of times they say the catbird seat actually isn't the leader or second. It could be third or it could be fourth right. because those riders punch a big hole in the air. So when you pull out into that void, it sucks you by. It was very interesting to see that there wasn't quite as much drafting at the Oklahoma City Mile as places like you would see at Springfield, you would see at uh, DeCoin, San Jose is another yeah. one. Yeah, you saw a little more back through the field, but... It was it was really impressive uh, the way that Jared Meese got out in front and just I mean he just freight trained. Uh, Henry Wiles came in third, uh, a great run for Henry Wiles. You know he's a name that's synonymous with the Peoria TT, but uh, you don't necessarily see him up at the front of the pack in the miles and some of the other races. But a great day for him. Dan Bromley was fourth. Uh, Johnny Lewis was on the Ducati from the Lloyd Brothers Racing Team, and uh, he finished up fifth. A great run for him. Jonathan Addison was sixth. Jake Shoemaker on the Triumph Bonneville was seventh. And then Sammy Halbert, even after uh, putting the bike down, finished up eighth. And he'd had a good run there. Ryan Foster was ninth. Sean Bear was tenth. And Davis Fisher on the Harley XG750 uh, finished up 11th. And he had a pretty, pretty good day. You know, not bad. They're still sneaking up on that bike. They are. Harley Davidson is taken a different road with the xg it's more of a production engine and they've come a long way with the development of that and i look for that motorcycle to be really competitive next year so the interesting thing is jared mees gets his first mile win of the season great run he's riding uh, the harley xr 750 and uh, has been on that bike for a while but it was just announced and we talked about a little bit in our show Uh, last week, but he is going to be moving to a new production effort for Indian motorcycles, and they announced that they are developing a a brand new engine. They're getting back into flat track racing, and Jared Mees will be doing some testing later this season. Uh, We will probably see the Indian in competition at at least one race this season, and then in 217, it's a full factory Indian effort with Jared Mees um, at the controls, And uh, it's going to be exciting because we are seeing some great diversity of bikes now in AMA Pro Flat Track. It's been virtually dominated by Harleys for a long time. Uh, We're seeing some great runs from Brian Smith and the Kawasaki, the the 650, um, Ducati's involved with the Scrambler and the Triumph Bonneville of Jake Shoemaker. And we're seeing a few other bikes now, but to have a full factory effort from Indian and Indian versus Harley, just like back in the early days of flat track racing, it's going to be so cool. But 
Let's talk a little bit about the engine development itself. Indian announced that this is not going to be a production motor. This is a, a 750 engine that they are developing specifically for flat track racing. They are. They've started from scratch. It's a, a specific set of cases for flat track racing. It's a transmission ratio just for flat track racing. This is a ground-up effort by Indian, and I like it. I have to be honest. I believe that diversity in any sport makes the sport strong and it makes the sport healthy and we haven't had that kind of diversity in flat track racing in i don't know how many decades now yeah and i actually we just posted a video cycle world put out and they were with the indian uh, manufacturers and they're over in i want to say sweden I can't remember now if it's Sweden or Switzerland, but they showed some of the development that they're they're working on with the Indian motorcycles. So over the, they're over there developing the the motor. And uh, how is this different from what Harley Davidson is is doing right now? Because I mean, the XR750 is kind of synonymous with flat track racing. I mean, it's the it's the workhorse. It's the bike that everybody goes out and gets. It's the bike that has been dominant for so long in AMA flat track racing. And now Indians getting involved. Um, we're seeing a factory effort, but, uh, but it's a little bit different take on it. It is. Indian, like we said, is starting from scratch and building a race-only engine in the same manner that Harley-Davidson had done with the birth of the XR. Uh, AXR obviously was their first overhead valve engine and it was race specific. The XG, however, is based off of one of their production street bikes. I like this approach. It's the same approach like the BSA was in the 70s, like the Triumph was in the also in like the 60s and 70s. Yamaha was another one, the XS650 that was made into a 750 also. So Harley-Davidson is taking their production engine just like a lot of the other manufacturers used to, and they're making a lot of modifications and bringing the horsepower up. They're developing a chassis for it, which is totally backward from how Harley-Davidson has ever approached flat track racing before. Now, Indian, which this is going to be great. Uh, You can't help but love the Indian versus Harley uh, mystique of all that that could bring to the table. But Indian decided that if they were going to do this, that they were going to be developing an engine that was just for flat track racing. Uh, The AMA will allow some testing They will allow a certain amount of engines for the riders. Sooner or later, though, those engines will be uh, available for privateer riders uh, Mm -hmm. as well as chassis. So being a chassis builder myself and building flat track chassis, I'm kind of anxious to be able to get a hold of one of those and put it in a frame jig and see what kind of geometry we can get out of one of them. Yeah, it'll be interesting, and uh, it's certainly exciting to see that Indian versus Harley-Davidson rivalry coming up, and uh, and like we said, with the Kawasaki's and the uh, the performance that they've been having, the new Yamaha DT07 that, that uh, is running some, and with the Triumph and the Ducati, man, getting all those brands out there, it's, it's going to be awesome from a motorcycle fan standpoint. Uh, it's like the early days of NASCAR as you get all of the all of the brand involvement, and that makes it a lot more fun for people, I think. Absolutely. That is true. And the rivalry that it can bring not only is great for the fan base, but it's really good for sponsorship opportunities. It's good for sponsorship opportunities for teams and riders. It's also really good for sponsorship opportunities for the races themselves, for promoters. Uh, it hasn't been since the 70s that we've got such a large diversity of motorcycles 
that will also translate to a lot of street bike sales. There's going to be a lot of development in racing that's going to be bolt-on or in-depth modifications for street bikes. All the way around, it's a really good package, and I think it's a very sellable package now that it's not a Harley-Davidson Cup Series. Yeah. So let's say that you've been out to the AMA flat track event, the OKC Mile. It's your first time out there. You've got a motorcycle. You're interested man, you want to go racing. Where can you go race? Is there a place to go racing around here? What what can somebody who just wants to get involved, I mean, you're obviously not going to go out and be riding with Jared Mees and Brian Smith, um, but there are some other options available out there now. There are huge options. One of the options, if you haven't checked it out, do so. Roland Sands has the Hooligan Series. If you're not familiar with that, that is that is a really neat opportunity for amateur riders or new riders that want to have something very basic to go try flat track racing. Yeah, and uh, and he's actually developed a relationship with with Indian, and they have a essentially a stock Indian Scout sixty that they've put new bodywork. He's obviously put his design efforts into it for the look of it, and they're cool looking bikes. But uh, other than that, it's stock frame, stock engine. And, uh, and then we're seeing some other guys show up with Harley Sportsters. I saw one guy with a, like a brand-new Ducati Scrambler uh, come out and run one of the hooligan races, and it looks like a huge ton of fun. It is a huge amount of fun, and it's very easy to do. Uh, the only stipulations of the class, it needs to be 750 or bigger, and you need to put flat-track tires on it. You need to take the lights off of it. Um, my understanding... Uh, is you can run, you can change the bars if you want. Um, you can change the exhaust system if you want. You can change the intake if you would like. There's a lot of neat little tweaks and twists. For the most part, they're production street bikes with just flat track tires on them, and everybody lines up and has a go. And it seems like a lot of fun for the guys that participate. It's growing bigger. It's actually from the first time that they run it it was a little on the lean side but guys are buying like you said they're buying triumphs they're buying ducatis they're finding old evo sportsters uh turning the evo sportsters into essentially what the old sportster performance series motorcycle was putting a number plate on it signing up and having a lot of fun yeah so this is a little more than just showing up on the bike that you ride every day and and getting out on the track there is a little work involved in getting the bike ready and some rules if you will that it's got to be stock as eric mentioned you've got to take the lights and all that stuff off so you don't just ride up and go okay here i am i'm ready to go with you know your street tires on uh you don't want to do that but it is a great effort if you want to get a second bike and uh you know find an old harley sportster or a new indian scout 60 and get out and have some fun. Now, the Hooligans are racing mainly on the West Coast. Um, They've done two races in Texas. I think they were doing something around Indianapolis, if I'm not mistaken, and and some other areas. They've developed a series, and they're doing those in conjunction with other major events. They've ridden, uh, they were actually at Daytona with the the opener for the AMA Flat Track Series, and uh, that was a really cool event for them. But what about, you know, if we're from Oklahoma, we're now AMA flat track fans and we want to go racing, um, what, what about series around the area here? Vintage Dirt Track Racing Association has got to be one of the best choices. There's also the Great Plains in Kansas, but VDTRA has a specific class that's called Vintage Production Limited. 
in this class, it basically is a vintage version of the Hooligan series. You can check us out online with VDTRA for all of the class rules. Basically, you need to come up with a 1981 or older four-stroke air-cooled twin-cylinder motorcycle, okay? You can change the bodywork if you would like, handlebars if you would like. You can change the exhaust system. There are a few carburetor rules where you can change from the stock carburetor. You can run whatever ignition that you want. Um, You run a WM3 type of wheel. Now, you can run the stock wheels and run some kind of aggressive tire, or you can convert them to a 19-inch flat-track tire. In essence, it's just a vintage version of the Hooligan series. And again, it is truly building in your garage. Have fun with this class. It's a trophy class. It's all about diversity. It's all about fun. You can ride a huge amount in Texas. They're allowing this class and a lot of other events throughout the United States that the VDTRA is blending with, not only in uh, starting in 15, 2015, but now in 2016 and for 2017, it's even bigger. That's great. Now, the AMA, uh, the Pro Series, a lot of times in conjunction with those events, we see amateur or vintage racing taking place on the same weekend at the same track, um, Sacramento, Springfield, things like that. But we did not see that here at the OKC Mile. I would think that from my standpoint, I mean, I, I would love to see either an amateur or a vintage race taking place either the day before or the day after uh, if they continue to have the OKC Mile here at Remington Park. I want to see the Oklahoma City Mile come back. I really do. I would like to see them add a vintage and amateur day, possibly on Sunday. Your vintage and amateur riders uh, have a lot to offer entertainment-wise. The crowd seems to really like it. They like to come down and look at a lot of the vintage bikes, a lot of the vintage Triumphs, the vintage version of the XR Harleys like you would see in the modern racing. you're going to see the XS650 Yamahas. You haven't seen those since the 70s, like Kenny Roberts used to ride, right. one of the bigger guys that rode those. The Amateur Day offers a lot. Those are the new young guys that are coming up. This is pre-GNC2 riders. These are primarily guys on 450 DTX singles. It's really neat to watch the youth come up through all of the DTX riding, a lot of the production-based motocrossers that are lowered with 19-inch wheels, right. and see the transition from their true grassroots amateur days into GNC2 and then and into GNC1. Vintage riding is huge. Vintage racing, regardless of whether it's flat track, motocross, road racing, doesn't matter. Vintage racing is really big. It's got a lot of corporate backing now. It has become a huge corporate, like, testosterone, poke your chest out deal like modern racing, which is surprising to me. Um, Used to, vintage racing was just considered old stuff. But the vintage trend, whether it's clothing, it's cars, motorcycles, doesn't matter, has become huge in the corporate event or a corporate world. So I think that the amateur and the vintage event afterwards is really big. It's very successful everywhere else uh, that they have it. Mm-hmm. So I 
wanting it to come back to Oklahoma City, and I want to see him expand into that. Yeah, so if you're listening and uh, that's something that you'd like to see as well, uh, post on the AMA or the uh, OKC Mile Facebook pages or whatever. Let them know that you'd like to see some some vintage and or amateur racing in conjunction and that you want the OKC Mile back in Oklahoma City because I really do think that it was a fantastic event. And uh, obviously, we spent almost 30 minutes now talking about it. So, you know, it provided a lot of news and information and and a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. The mile is the best bang for the buck to go see. So there was plenty of other racing that did take place over the weekend, but we don't have time to get to everything. But I do want to take a few moments to talk about the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Series, where it was Ken Roxon all the time. He went 1-1 in motos again for the overall win. That means that there is only one moto so far in 2016 that he has not taken the checkers at. Jason Anderson finished second overall with 3-3 motos, and Marvin Muskan gets on the podium for the overall with 2-4 in the motos. Eli Tomac on the Kawasaki, he was sneaking up on rocks and he was running really good, had a fall in the first moto, ended up finishing fifth, and then went uh, second in the second moto, but he ended up fourth overall on the day. And can anybody stop Ken Roxon and the Soaring Eagle Jimmy John's RCH Suzuki? In the 250 category, it was the Pro Circuit Kawasaki of Joey Savachi. Once again, taking the overall win, he went 4-1 in his motos. But the cool story of the weekend, as far as I'm concerned, was Zach Osborne riding the Husqvarna. He won his first ever outdoor motocross moto uh, in the first moto at High Point on Saturday. That was his first win in the United States in an outdoor motocross after, uh, I mean, he's been riding here for a few years, but he went to Europe and did well over there. But the first win, unbelievable, that he got here in the U.S. came on Saturday at High Point, and he finished second in the overall for the weekend. Cooper Webb also finished on the podium in the overall. But Zach Osborne, cool story, getting his first ever moto win. Uh, I'm friends with his dad who used to race NHRA Pro Stock cars, Mark Osborne. If you're an NHRA fan, you probably remember him. So very cool to see Mark's son, Zach, getting his first ever moto win this past weekend. There's a lot of, seem like, there's a lot of European riders now that are riding in Europe and riding in the United States. Yeah, and uh, well, in fact, uh, Chad Reed what raced the MXGP over the weekend, and he's going to do, I think, at least two events and then run the, the MXGP events that are going to take place in the United States. Uh, I believe he finished 13th or, 13th or 14th in the overalls, but had a good time, and uh, we don't have a lot of time now to be able to get into MXGP talk, but if you're into the European series, uh, there's a lot going on over there as well. Uh, of course, coming up this weekend, it is the second oldest motorsports event in America. It takes place this coming weekend. It is the Pikes Peak Hill Climb, and uh, if you've never watched that or seen anything from that, make it a point to look it up online and, and see what you can find out. Interesting thing that I just found out today, Stephanie Reeves, former NHRA Pro Stock motorcycle rider, is going to be racing the Pikes Peak Hill Climb behind the wheel of a Dodge Viper in one of the production classes this weekend. So we wish her well, and uh, she was a great pro stock motorcycle rider. We'll see what she can do on the mountain. 
behind the wheel of a car that is that is a huge change up yeah well she's had a few years i think she's been doing some racing other car racing and that sort of thing uh since she raced the motorcycles but the pikes peak hill climb that's one of those races that i look at and i think you know that would be a lot of fun until you went off the edge there's no room for mistake but it is very interesting uh with it being paved now so there's a lot of things that have changed with that event yeah and we're also going to see the uh a couple of victory motorcycles the the new electric victory is going to be making its run uh up the pikes peak hill climb and then also the uh, project 156 bike which was a specially built bike i think roland sands was in, involved with that for with victory and that bike's going to be running as well so a lot of interesting motorcycle development stuff coming up with the pikes peak hill climb this weekend but that's all the time we have for this week's power sports podcast be sure to listen to us at oklahomatalking.co you can also find us on itunes download us onto your ios device find us on twitter at power sports talk and go like our facebook page which is facebook slash power sports podcast I'm Jason Baffrey. For Eric Colvin, we are out of here.